0: You're listening to the Metro L.A. Podcast, an official podcast of the L.A. International Church of Christ.
1: Good evening. Welcome to Metro Vision Studios. My name is Reese Kia Aina. Thank you so much for joining in to our midweek service tonight. I'm ready to go tonight. Uh, I'm excited to uh, speak. You know, we just wrapped up. Uh, a series called one another relationships and I hope you have been working on your relationships, as, especially in the church as we're we're striving to care for each other, spur one another on, encourage one another, honor one another as well as live in harmony with one another. And I hope uh, our relationships are getting stronger, more spiritual, more loving uh, and, and and that it would produce faith in our lives. You know, be, Have you ever felt like the holiday season is so busy and stressful, it is easy to forget what we are celebrating? Have you ever thought that before that, man, you know, I love the December month when I was growing up, man, it just food. Family and fun is what I remember December to be for me. It's just a lot of good food, a lot of family, being with my family, doing all things with my family, as well as having a ton of fun. Uh, my highlight would be getting to, you know, uh, Christmas and then at, at the same time after that, New Year's Eve, where we would just pop firecrackers and fireworks. And that was a tradition in my family growing up. And I, I look forward to that time. But, you know, over the years... Gosh, sometimes going into the holiday season has been very busy and stressful for me that uh, sometimes it, it, I haven't had some great holiday seasons. And, you know, one of the things I'd like to talk about tonight is this our lesson tonight, how to have a spiritual holiday season. How to have a spiritual holiday season where it's not—it's not a frantic time. We're not so busy where we just do terrible spiritually and forget about God and make this all about consumerism, presents, gifts, and everything about self and nothing about God and 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 not having an understanding that perhaps we have received the greatest gift ever with the birth of Jesus. And so, as we talk about this tonight, let's go to God in prayer. Let's pray. God, we love you. Bless our Bible study tonight. Encourage us as we look at Jesus and as we look at his prayer life, because we can tell a lot by what a man values by what they pray for. And so, Father, help us to be encouraged, that inspired, challenged, make changes in our life, get us ready for the holiday season spiritually, but also to launch us into the new year, refreshed, rejuvenated, and ready to go for 2021. God, we love you. We thank you so much for Jesus. We pray these things in His name. Amen. Like I said, there's a lot that we can tell about what someone values by what they pray for. And tonight, if you look at this, we're going to look at three prayers of Jesus because we get a chance to see what he valued in his life. And as we are in a season that prepares for his burial right now, not burial, prepares for his birth right now. Uh, I want us to be thinking about how to have a great spiritual season, holiday season. And we're going to look at three prayers tonight. A man by the name, a 19th century Scottish minister said by the name of Robert Murray MacKin, if i could hear christ praying for me in the next room i would not fear a million enemies yet the distance makes no difference he is praying for me now and one of the things that i'm going to be talking about tonight is jesus what he prayed for and and there are many prayers that he that is recorded in the bible and I want to just look at three tonight that I think if we look at what he valued through his prayers, uh, perhaps we can put that into practice this holiday season. And that could help us spiritually. That could help us, you know, internally as we uh, are going to have our first COVID-19 holiday season, our first COVID Christmas, just like we had our first COVID Thanksgiving. Uh, And so that's what I want to look at tonight. In Luke chapter 23, in the message, it says, two others, both criminals, were taken along with him for execution. When they got to the place called Skull Hill, they crucified him along with the criminals, one on his right and the other on his left. Jesus prayed, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they are doing. Dividing up his clothes, they threw dice for them. The people stood there staring at Jesus and the ringleaders made faces taunting. He saved others. Let's see him save himself. The Messiah of God, ha! The chosen, ha! You know, this was a prayer that Jesus had and he prayed for forgiveness for those who were at his feet gambling, basically, as he hung on the cross. The first prayer I want to look at today is this, is a prayer for forgiveness. You know, we're all in need of forgiveness, right? In you know, when I became a Christian, I needed to be forgiven. There's so much sin that I had going on in my life when I first came to church. I remember my first, I remember the first sermon when I came to church, March 5th. 1992, and it was about standing firm to the end by this guy named Bruce Teague. You know, we were at this, this, uh, old, high school and uh, old auditorium in Hawaii. And he was preaching about standing firm to the end. And I remember thinking, I'm not even standing right now because of how my life has gone. By the time I was 21 years old. And when I came to church, I had secrets. I had hidden sin and I was in need of forgiveness. And I appreciate Jesus that he valued forgiveness while he was on the cross. The people who were crucifying him, the people who were gambling for his clothes, you know, making fun of him, taunting him. Uh, he prayed for them. He prayed for that, that forgiveness would be given to them. He forgave them. And that's the first thing I want to talk about tonight is as he prayed for forgiveness, as we go into this holiday season, as we're heading into Christmas, the birth of Jesus is what brings forgiveness into the scene, into our world of what true forgiveness looks like. We're in need of forgiveness, but we're also perhaps in need to extend forgiveness to those around us as well. As we go into the holiday season, I would like us to be, you know, aware of the temptations as we get into this season consumerism right you're there's going to be things that are sent to you on your I don't know my phone is blowing up all the time now because I got all these ads coming on about what I need in my life I need to buy this new car I need to get these new clothes I need to I need to do this or that this is exactly what I need I need to get I need to get this latest gadget because it's going to help me save more souls you know I I can turn anything into something crazy uh based on the season that we're in right now. So be aware of the temptations that are going to come your way. Be aware of the conflicts that you may get in. As we are in our COVID-19 season and doing things differently right now, a lot of us are frustrated. I'm frustrated. Be aware that others may be in need of forgiveness. Let's, let's remember as we are in this season, let's not forget that there's still a world out there that needs Jesus. There's still a world, there's people who are hurting that need forgiveness and that we can extend that forgiveness and introduce them to Jesus and invite them into a space where they can study the Bible. Uh, let's let's be mindful of that. Be aware that you may need forgiveness. You may need forgiveness from somebody in our church or in your sphere of influence right now. So let's remember that. The first thing tonight in how to have a great spiritual season, holiday season is is to remember forgiveness. Remember, Jesus prayed for forgiveness and we can extend forgiveness to others. Amen. In John chapter 17, the second prayer he had was a prayer for unity. In verse 20, it says, I pray for these followers, but I'm also praying for all those who will believe in me because of their teaching. Father, I pray that they can be one as you are in me and I am in you. I pray that they can also be one in us. Then the world will believe that you sent me. I have given these people the glory that you gave me so that they can be one just as you and I are one. I will be in them and you will be in me so that they will be completely one. Then the world will know that you sent me and that you love me, love them just as much as you love me. John 17 and verse 20 to 23 in the new century version gives us a, gives us a great idea of what Jesus prayed for. He prayed for unity. And that's the second thing I want to talk about tonight and how to have a great holiday, spiritual holiday season is pray for unity. I love the fact that we had a 12 hour time of prayer a couple weeks ago for us just to pray for God to move, for God to act, for God to help our church to become more like Jesus, for God to be working in the world to see Changes happen in our world for the better. And, and the best thing we could do is pray. You know, Jesus prayed for unity. But what is so interesting about unity is that it, it never just happens like like just because two people get married, it, it doesn't mean they're going to be unified. Right. We actually have to work at it. And, you know, look at this slide in the early church. One of the things that 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 was so amazing about the first century church is its diversity. They were diverse ethnically. All nations were there at Pentecost. You know, so many different types of groups were there at Pentecost with different languages. They were diverse culturally where there's different customs and traditions. And you got a chance to see the Jew Gentile customs clash. And it was a big deal for the Gentiles to become Christians in the book of Acts. Uh, and not till Acts chapter 10 did that kind of happen, but when that happened, that Jewish church ended up becoming Gentile over time, and, and th- those customs and traditions that both worlds, uh, collide and meet, it made it difficult for unity. If you think that the, because they were just Christians, they just naturally were unified, it, it, you know, in the studies that I've been doing right now, just in, in my grad school, man, I am blown away at how diverse the first century church was, and, and, and what makes it special is its diversity. There's different diverse views of God in the Bible. You know, there's Trinitarian thinking and, and, and all, all different kinds of views on how people viewed God and they had to wrestle with that and they had to work at at being unified and learning how to look at God uh, from a biblical perspective. It's the same challenge we have today. You you can see denominationalism is is what is brought out of these different views of God and how they practice ministry. There's diverse views of Jesus. Look at the Gospels. If you just look at the four Gospels right there, there's four guys who, who worked with Jesus, who looked, traveled and and The way they describe Jesus and the stories that they tell are similar, but it's diverse. They have different things that different things that they highlight, different things that they don't highlight, different things that they talk about, different things that are left out. And what is interesting about how diverse the Gospels are is that. It's what makes it special and unique is that it's not just one perspective. It's it's many different perspectives coming together to give us a broader picture and a bigger picture of God and of Jesus. There's different ways to practice ministry, you know, in the New Testament. Paul hits the scene and and he's using the old testament often to be able to solve problems in the churches in different cities. And and The way he handled different churches were completely different. You know, there's so much diversity in how he worked with churches, different ways of thinking, different people that he talked to and different people that he worked with. Diversity is what makes unity hard, though. You know, it's what makes it challenging is that all of us have a different perspective. And so we have to work at it in order to be unified. You know, I recently did a project. In fact, I just finished it yesterday. I had three meetings with 11 disciples in our church. And, and I'm in a class right now called Prophetic Critique. And it's about learning about the prophets and that when there was injustice in the world, when there was religious leaders who were abusing their power, you know, uh, it, it also in, when the prophets hit the scene, they were also addressing political issues and economic issues. But a lot of times there are they were very hard on the religious leaders of their day that the authority that they had, that they were abusing, a prophet would hit the scene and flat lay it out. We we know of the major prophets, you know, but we also know of the minor prophets. Right. All throughout the Old Testament. And when they hit the scene, they were they were hard line. They were they spoke to power, uh in, in in graphic ways and they use a lot of imagery and poetry to be able to uh showcase what God's heart, God's God's justice, God's righteousness was, and it, it radically changed the society in which they end. But like anything when people are speaking truth, people don't like it as well. And so I did a project in our fellowship uh with eleven disciples. Some teens were about four teens were in it. A couple single adults were in it. A few married people were in it. And we talked about this issue of race, and and there's two questions that I asked the group. Is well, number one is how, how have you have you ever experienced racism, prejudice, or discrimination in our church? I know we experience it in the world often, but I'd like to know if you've ever experienced it in our church. And whoo, that the, you know it, was a, it felt a little tense in the talk I- initially on Zoom. And yet this was one of the most fruitful, encouraging, challenging, inspiring, humbling experiences I've had in any of the 12 projects that I've done over the last two years. Uh, this was so rich and people got a chance to share their own experiences of, of what they thought uh, perhaps was racism, prejudice or discrimination happening to them in our church. And, and that's the way we deal with it, is we talk about it. We get open about it. We get honest about it. It is absolutely uncomfortable. It is absolutely messy. People are gonna say things that hurt the other person or they're unaware of their own biases or prejudices and it comes out in these talks and, and we have to work on it. But as, as that's what makes, y- uh, being a Christian so amazing is that, you know, as we work on things, unity is forged because of it, because we're addressing it, because we're talking about it and not just sweeping it under the rug. And and here's a couple things I learned in it in, in this project is one person brought up that racism is taught and caught. That no one's born like this. They they have to learn how to be a racist. They have to learn what prejudices are and dis- and how to be discrim, di- you know, how to uh, discriminate. And and I- and another thing that we did in the class was also, um, in in my project with with these disciples in our fellowship, it was so awesome, was we also talked about. How do you think you have perhaps contributed to racism or prejudice or discrimination in our church? How do you, have you ever done something like that? And so there's two questions, one that is looked at as, you know, what are your experiences that you've had, but also how have you contributed to it? And and some of these statements that came up, racism is taught and caught. Another one came up, if you're not aware, you can't care. I was like, "Oh my gosh, I got to I got to steal that." If you're not aware meaning if you're not aware of your own racist thoughts or tendencies or prejudice or discriminatory you know actions if you're not aware that that you're doing some of these things you won't be able to make changes in you. Know, and you won't be able to care about how to build bring about unity and how to have more talks like this. Sometimes I've heard in our fellowship, you know, when are we going to be done with this? I go, we're not in our fellowship, we're not going to be done with this. We're going to keep talking about race issues. Uh, it, it is something that is that is that the Jesus talked about a lot. The Gospels talk about it. Uh, if you were on this squad, the latest squad call that we had was an amazing Bible study that if you want, let us know, we'll get it to you, that Dr. Boachi did from the University of Manchester and he talked about how race relations and the gospel will go, go hand in hand and, and that Jesus, you know, any kind of ethnic marginalization is a distortion of the gospel, is a perversion of the gospel. And so it's something we all must care about, it's not uh, just an uh, ethnic or race issue, it's, it's it's a gospel issue that we must care about. You know, think about this thought: injustice can be a catalyst that leads us to innovation. That's what somebody came up in this in our in our thing as we we're dwelling on Habakkuk chapter one. Someone brought this up that you know, as we go through injustices, it's wrong, it's evil, it's not right. But if we handle it spiritually, that that we see God's hand in it, that. Just because injustice happens, God may be trying to bring about something. He may not be the one obviously causing it, but he can work with it in a way that it's a catalyst that leads to great change, that leads us to God, that leads us to turning to God. And I was blown away by that. You know, I believe one of our teens came up with that to go, you know, sometimes injustice can be a catalyst for innovation. I thought we need to let that dude speak the word of God, man. Sheesh. Excuse me. Another thing was, is to be proactive and not reactive. And that's what I got out of this project. I got a paper that I have to write. But man, it was so rich to hear the different comments, to to be humbled by the experiences that we see that just because we're in church doesn't mean we don't have prejudice going on or discrimination going on or even racist thoughts or comments being made. Just because we're disciples doesn't mean it's out the door just because we think we're holy or we think we're following Jesus. No, we, being holy is about learning to look within, right? And to be set apart, be set different, and to be able to change the lens by being aware of the different things we do. And what, the more we, the more we can see that, the more we can dive into and have these talks. And yes, gang, it is messy. Yes, it is difficult. Yes, it does require spiritual, you know, power to be able to have those tucked. but boy it brings unity boy it brings understanding it brings compassion it we feel for one another as we go wow i can't believe wow that that person went through that in our church and 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 it helps you to become aware to, to look and pay attention to what's happening and and to and to address it when it comes up i was so encouraged you know by it the third prayer i want to look at is in luke 22 so what we talked about so far today is the prayer of forgiveness, but also the prayer for unity. And the third one is in Luke chapter 22 in verse 31 to 32 from The Voice. It's a prayer of faith. Jesus prayed for Peter's faith. And I want you to think about that image for a minute of Jesus praying for Peter and thinking that he prays for you and I as well, that our faith may not fail. In Luke 22 in verse 31 It says, Simon, Simon, how Satan has pursued you that he might make you part of his harvest. But I've prayed for you. I've prayed that your faith will hold firm and that you'll recover from your failure and become a source of strength for your brothers here. What an awesome translation of this passage. You know, Satan wanted to sift Peter and a sifting is when you're, you know, you're shaken, Right. And Our pandemic has definitely sifted us. Race issues have definitely sifted the world. It's it's bringing it to the forefront right now where we're dealing with it and we're paying attention to it. And and I pray that we continually do so. But look what Jesus said. He says, but I've prayed for you, Peter. I have prayed that your faith will hold firm and that you will recover from your failure. We all know what Peter, they denied Jesus, right? This is the passage where right after this, you know, after Jesus predicts that Peter's going to fall away like that, Peter's like, I'll never fall away. Didn't you do that? as? I did that as a young Christian. I go, I made a pact with somebody. Hey, dude, I'm never going to fall away. Okay. if If I fall away, you can like spiritually slap me or something like do something to me that gets me out of this kind of craziness. I said that back when I was a young Christian, but look at this. As Jesus predicted Peter's fall, he said, and, and he would experience failure. You and I are going to experience failure in the kingdom of God. We're going to go through difficult times. We're going to do something where you just go, geez, why did I do that? What a knucklehead I am. I did that, you know. Jesus says, I prayed for you. And when you recover from your failure and become a source of strength for your brothers here, you know. So in other words, when you fall, get back up and use your struggle to go strengthen somebody else. Use your perhaps failure. Use your perhaps thing that you, you just messed up. Use it and encourage somebody else. Share it. Talk about your struggles. I mean, geez, think about what what you may have struggled with in 20, just in 2020, just this year alone. Share it with somebody. Someone could perhaps use that. You know, you know what? People who are visiting our church and and perhaps people who who are not of faith yet. One of the things that people don't like in my 28 years of being a disciple is they. People don't like hypocrites. And so let's put our, instead of putting our best foot forward, let's put what's really happening for it. And if you're going through a struggle, great. It's okay that you're struggling. You know, you're the perfect person to be able to help somebody else. Jesus prayed for you. Jesus prays for me. And I find that so encouraging because life is tough. Look at this slide. When life gives you lemons throw them at somebody. <laughs> Don't we do that sometimes? Like when, when we're going through a tough times, you know, how about that other one on the far right? When life gives you lemons, squeeze them in people's eyes. I like, go, oh, those are not the right responses, obviously. The one in the middle is, right? When life gives you lemons, make lemonade. I remember Ari Garcia always, it's something that she shared stuck with me for when I first came to LA. You know, one of her models is, models is, is, uh, Make your mess your ministry. Make your mess your ministry. That oftentimes disruption that happens in our life is what can bring about newness. That it could bring, it, it could break the thinking that you're possibly in and bring about newness. And if there's anything that I've learned in in my two years of grad school right now, is that disruption oftentimes is God's way to bring about new creation. He may not be the one certainly causing that disruption but he certainly can use disruption in a way that takes us out of our you know spiritual funk if you will or spiritual laziness or apathy if you will and 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 bring about new ways of thinking that we never would have done without that disruption covid-19 has made us re- rethink how we do church right rethink what our real how we do relationships you know, you and I are going to fall in in Proverbs chapter 24 and verse 16 in the NASB, New American Standard Version. It says for a righteous person falls seven times, a righteous person falls seven times. But but here's the important part and rises again. But the wicked stumble in time of disaster. If righteous people are going to fall seven times, gang. Imagine unrighteous people, all right? But the key is getting back up when you fall. Getting back up and showing up. And one of the things I'm so moved and so grateful to be in Metro LA. I've been here eight years. You know, this pretty much makes about eight years that Grace and I and our family have been here. And it's it's when we made this decision to move to L.A., we thought, wow, this is I believe this is a difficult decision to uproot our family at this time. But it's going to be I know it's going to be the best decision that we've ever made. But it's going to be difficult because it's we're in a whole new situation, you know, a whole new relationships, everything and uh, new fellowship. And it's been such a blessing to be in Metro L.A. And, and I've fallen many times. But one of the things I've learned just being in the ministry here and, and being around people who are just amazing people is getting knocked down and being able to get back up, constantly getting back up and getting in the game and not quitting and go, man, this knocked me down. And I, was, I, I have some amazing relationships here that people who come from some diverse backgrounds, very different from me and, and had some incredible challenges in their life. And yet, not bitter, getting back up, showing up every week. And that's what I'm so inspired by is to be able to show up. And when we show up, it's when God can do something great. When we, it doesn't matter if we're just hanging on. You know, before I used to think, I don't want to struggle, you know, because I don't want to be known as the guy, there's Reese, he's hanging on. You know, who wants to be known like that? But in my 28 years as a Christian, if you're hanging on, you're doing something so great for God. Because you're learning in that, that perhaps you wouldn't have learned in any other setting, in any other time in your life, in any other season. So if you're going through difficult times right now, God is deepening you in your faith. The key is that if you fall, get up again and show up and see what God can do. What I love is is all the great things God is doing. You know, since we've since COVID-19 hit, I believe we've done over 250 plus lessons since March. I I think of these numbers and I think I don't know if I've ever been I've never I don't know if I've ever seen that. Where in one year we've done over two in nine months we've done over two hundred fifty plus maybe even two sixty already two seventy I don't know uh, lessons already in one year I'm blown away by how much Bible we're looking at in Metro LA uh, I'm so proud to be in Metro it, our giving this year this year in March. With, when COVID hit, we had a we had a kind of like a relief contribution. We gave fourteen thousand dollars in one contribution right there to give to different parts of the world and our fellowship around the world where, where funds could be gotten so that they could take care of people who are going through COVID-19 in a very, very difficult way. Uh, I was very proud to be in a ministry like that, that is so giving in November for our world missions contribution in in October, actually, on October 18th, I believe we took up our world missions contribution and we collected $75,000 that day, just $75,000 that people put forward. You know, we just had, we just kind of talked about the need. It's a free will offering, no accountability, nothing, just here's what it is. Here's who we're giving to and let God inspire us, encourage us and challenge us. And we collected 75,000 and then we extended it to the end of November. And as of, you know, end of November, we collected $111,000, you know, uh, like a, another 30 more thousand basically from October 18th. And so our total is, I believe we've collected in March and November, $125,000 this year that we're giving out. And to God be the glory. Amen. And that's in the middle of a pandemic. That's in the middle of challenging race relations that our ministry has been feeling a lot about and going through. And God is blessing in a powerful, powerful way. And I believe is as we fall, we're just getting back up. So if you fall and just get back up, Jesus prays for your faith. That's why. You know and I i want to our teens campus singles amazing things happening there i 'm so proud of our squad team that because of a disruption. A squad group has been developed in our church that is helping us to become more aware of race issues so that we can make changes in our fellowship so that uh, God can be glorified uh, in our congregation. Amen. Uh, I I also want to share about one one interesting thing and encouraging thing that just recently happened in the teen ministry. Uh, There's this initiative and, and thing that went out in Torrance called Dare to Care Torrance about highlighting different stories of uh, of people doing some things. And our teen ministry got a chance to do an event and, and got a chance to be highlighted on our local Torrance News. And, uh, this is a picture here of three families that were, that went out to a, uh, senior living facility. And our whole teen ministry was, was set to do an event like that, but what end up because of COVID. <clears throat> Because of covid, only three families could go. So three families who were who were working with a city councilman, this man named Mr. Chen, basically the the ladies who were working with them, uh, those families were chosen to go and they went down to their facility and that facility that that time that they went down to encourage uh, the staff there as well as the senior citizens over there. It was a powerful time that was highlighted on the news. And so I want to show a short video. It's not a great footage. I couldn't get the YouTube. It, I don't know what happened in it, but we had to video it from our phone That when, when I was, we were watching it on TV. So without any further ado, I want to sh- show you a short video about God doing something amazing through the Metro L.A. teens. Well, um, my husband and I
2: serve in our awesome Metro L.A. region of the L.A. Church of Christ and you know we've been really praying just for god to open doors and ways that we can really you know give back and be a light in the community so we're really grateful for the city of torrance and their you know new dare to care program and um you know it's just been really inspiring to see our young teens this is our teen ministry and these are really caring compassionate young men and women who want to spread god's love and give hope and you know just give a little uh cheer and encouragement especially to these senior citizens who we really want to talk you know we know that it's a very challenging time okay. so we're just grateful for this opportunity and we just hope that this little act of kindness will be able
1: to start and what do you for the seniors welcome to these uh, posters hearing about them that they know that there's signs out there people just didn't uh, they're showing their act of kindness
2: yeah i just hope that it helps them because I know when we're isolated you know we just can feel so cut off and so I hope that in some way this helps them to feel acknowledged and validated that we see you we're praying for you you matter and I hope that that really just you know fills them and touches their hearts.
1: Oh, that's great.
2: And what's it like seeing the council member, Mr. Chen how does that feel you're seeing that the, the forums council members, the council is supportive? Oh my uh, support. goodness. It is so encouraging. Mr. Chen has just been nothing but supportive and super approachable. You know, I feel like he really he really does care and he's a great listener. And um, you know, for him to show up, I think it just shows just how genuinely he cares about the members of his community. And um, right, and, and the team, can you talk about the size of the team and you know, who's in the team of the volunteers, the ministry? Oh, for our yes. team ministry? Yes. So our team ministry is, a lot of it is run by um, parent volunteers. And uh, we have probably about 20 to 25 teenagers um, that range all the way from like areas in the South Bay to Cerritos area to even downtown and um yeah it's just a great place that we want to be able to create a safe place for our teams you know to be able to connect and really just learn about god and um, be able to have a place where they feel accepted and loved so
0: yeah we're really excited about that Well, before we go, at the end of each program, we like to share stories from our community, feel-good pictures, images, and videos that remind us of how resilient our community is and how Torrance truly cares. Over the weekend, a group of Torrance teens took the city's Dare to Care Challenge to show some love to our most vulnerable community members. They went out to the Earlwood Center, a nursing facility on the 20,000 block of Earl Street, the volunteers placed decorations with motivating words around the building, walkways, and in the garden, simple words of kindness that residents could see from their windows. They also distributed pre-packaged goodie bags to residents and the essential workers there. Torrance Councilmember George Chen also dropped by to surprise the volunteers and show his support for their grassroots effort of participating in this act of kindness. Volunteers say to stay in compliance with state orders, they only had three households come out. They say it was important to show our local seniors and their caregivers how much they are loved. We just wanted to let the residents know that we're thinking about them and praying for them and. We just hope they know that they're loved and cared for. We know that during COVID, they haven't really been able to uh, have visitors or see any of their loved ones or family members. So we just wanted to um, give them this little encouragement um, and just brighten up their day. I really appreciate you guys taking out your time and just being, you
2: know, just serving and being of service. So whatever I'm doing, I'm just hoping that it could really encourage you guys and build you guys up.
0: What a thoughtful way to show how Torrance truly cares.
1: Wasn't that video awesome? I hope you were incredibly encouraged by that. Uh, I was super encouraged. Amen for the team ministry. But amen to all our other ministries as well. The campus ministry are doing great things. The singles ministry, the marriage ministry, the Spanish ministry. I mean, all the different programs we have going on in our congregation. I hope uh, we'll be praying about many different things for God to really be moving in a powerful way in each of our ministries. So, you know, as we go into our discussion groups tonight, as we've looked at three prayers of Jesus, forgiveness, unity and faith. Maybe something you could think about in our discussion groups or which one are you excelling at? The second thing is, is what may the spirit be calling you to do in this season, in this December season? You know, perhaps you need to extend forgiveness. Perhaps you need to, you know, work on unity more and, and work on the relationships that have been strained. Or perhaps you have to, you know, work on faith, on building faith, your own faith, perhaps, or helping build somebody else's faith. Well, what did we learn today? We're in the season of Advent. We're preparing for the birth of Jesus. Right. And and, and that because of his birth. Our world has changed. Our lives have changed. And we looked at uh, how to have a spiritual holiday season. And we looked at three prayers of Jesus on forgiveness, unity and faith. Let's extend faith. Let's work on unity and share our struggles to build faith in our fellowship. Amen. As always, I want to close out with some announcements. You can connect with us on our social media platform here. I want to invite everyone to our December sixth service coming up, where we are going to be highlighting our frontliners, our first responders. Everyone in the service is a, is a first responder or a frontliner who, who, who has been involved with some serious work right now uh, as we go through this pandemic. And so, I really want to encourage uh, you, you to uh, invite your friends and family out to it. Uh, we're going to have a great, great Sunday, as well as uh, on December 12th. We have a, a unique opportunity to participate in the path homeless holiday kit drive by where our fellowship can be making uh, kits here uh, and be able to bring it to the church building so that we can donate it. Uh, you know, one of the cool things is, as Jerry enjoy downing or spearheading this right here. Uh, we are partnering with path people assisting the homeless to create holiday jingle bags. These bags will help recently housed clients and neighbors currently experiencing homelessness with a gift bag of essential items and encouragement. Gift bags can be assembled in reusable tote bags, gift bags, or drawstring bags. We encourage you to also include a handwritten card of support and holiday cheer Feel free to decorate in theme with the holidays and have fun with it. So on December 12th from 1 to 3 p.m., there will be a drive by at our building where you can drop off uh, a, a holiday kit like this that you make. And, and and so that we can be able to give it to uh, this uh, organization here. And I, I, we have a great opportunity. Amen. It's so awesome that we can participate in something like this. Also on December 12th. There is a Zoom call for teens, campus, singles, marrieds, and mature disciples. If you want to connect with the churches in the Philippines, there's a Zoom call where our region is going to be connecting with them. TNV is in charge with that. So please take a picture of this right here. It'll be at 7 to 8.30 p.m. on December 12th, Saturday. Going to be a great, great time of connecting with the brothers and sisters in the Philippines. Again, thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for your attention. I hope everyone will have a happy spiritual holiday. Have a great night. Thank you.
0: You've just listened to the Metro LA podcast. For more information about our ministry, please visit MetroLAregion.com.